to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Well, Carl, nice to see you on the road again, finally, uh, instead of uh, computers and phones and that kind of thing. Exactly. Let's record a podcast without using Zoom technology. How about that? Yeah. So I'm here with uh, in um, the Billmore Hotel in Arizona, a beautiful place for a beautiful car. So and we have the pleasure to be with Joe Falarico, president of Lincoln, for what now? Three years now? Yeah, since 2018. And I, this year, it's very special because you're celebrating 100 years. So I, what a, an honor, I guess, right? Because not many companies can do that. Absolutely. It's our 100th anniversary. February 4th was the exact date that uh, Henry Ford purchased uh, the Lincoln Motor Company, for, company from uh, Henry Leland. So it's a very special time, a time for us to reflect on our past of iconic design and innovations and technology, but also look to the future. And we're really excited about a, our year-long celebration that we've got going on. That we've yeah, and Carl, we've been talking about this automotive um, industry where, like, the regular cars are fantastic, right. all of them. Like, there aren't any cars, any bad cars in the market there really anymore. Are. No. Nobody can that's, afford not to since do that, they, right? Not since they pulled the smart car off of the market. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah, exactly. After that, we're safe. <laughs> and now, we're in this moment, I, I think, and maybe you can tell us more in, 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 in depth, but I think with the new... EV technology, that everything that is coming up. The last year was kind of a tipping point in which we started to see more advanced technology in that, more affordable, more uh, options. And now that's the future, right? So like we're in this point where everything is great and it's becoming greater. Absolutely. I think what we're seeing is uh, we're seeing EV adoption increase, right? And so we're seeing more and more brands uh, starting to electrify their lineup, recognizing that that's what the future holds is electrification. At Lincoln, uh, we decided and communicated last year to our brand share that we would be electrifying our lineup now in 2030. So we see it as you know a staged process. It's going to happen over time. Um, in the interim, we're going to keep our ICE products uh, fresh as well. And obviously, that's why we're here talking about our new Navigator, uh, a very important vehicle in our lineup. But we also have two PHEVs already in our lineup with the Aviator plug-in hybrid and the Corsair plug-in hybrid that we just launched last year. Of those cars are fantastic because they give you, again, everything good, like the, yeah. the combination of the internal combustion engine and then the technology of the electrification. And those are great. So, I mean, I know you're a big fan of uh, Ford products. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think plug-in hybrids really are like the perfect solution at today's technology. You get the pure EV experience for 80, 90% of your yeah. needs for most time, and you don't have range anxiety when you have to go. Ever. Something unusual happens. you got to make an emergency trip. Some family member has a problem, or you've got to go buy something. Something happens that you have to make an extra long trip to get something. So, But I also feel like... Ford, uh, the parent company, and Lincoln uh, as, as the luxury brand made a lot of advanced moves on like small displacement engines with turbocharging to save gas even without using electrification, right? I mean, it's a 3.5 liter V6 in a relatively large vehicle, which sounds like a potential mismatch, but I'm probably biased because I have one of those same engines in a car that goes over <laughs> 200 that, miles an hour. That echo boost in there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I've, I've got a 647 horsepower version of that engine in one of my cars, <laughs> and it and it doesn't have any problems. So uh, so I don't have any 
uh, qualms or hesitation at all about the fact that it's got a 3.5 liter V6 in a car that large. And of course, driving it today just reaffirms what I knew because uh, it's fast. So yeah, we cannot talk much about it. It's that's, a given. That's right? the same we know from, the from the previous one. It's always had that. So it's yeah. got the same basic uh, acceleration as it's had because it's the same engine from the last redesign. But you so there's. You continue to refine it, right? Right. Yeah. You continue to refine <laughs> it. You continue to refine it. But I think the electrification thing is interesting and I think we're going there and it's going to be a transition, like you said. And to give yourself eight years, you know, to get there. I think is is prudent. You know, there's some companies trying to be more aggressive than others, and I I feel like. Can you tell me what you think, Joy? I feel like, as well as as much as the technology's capability matters, the market's willingness matters too. You yeah. know, nobody's going to be happy if tomorrow we let's just pretend for a second, and it's impossible with the microchip charge, but let's pretend for a second that we could wake up tomorrow and produce all the electric cars we'd ever want. That doesn't mean the market's ready to buy. Everybody wants their cars. Yeah. So here, here's what I think about it. First of all, I agree with you. The PEV is what a great transition vehicle, right? It allows you to get used to plugging into a vehicle, see what it feels like, especially with like the Aviator PEV that has that power in it and that you know sudden acceleration, which is amazing that you feel in a, a full battery electric vehicle. Um, and it lets you ease into the transition. So that's why we thought those were important uh, in our lineup. But we have you know, made the call to transition uh, to fully electric over a period of time. You're seeing that a lot with premium um, products because people in the premium segments want the latest technology. In the United States here, the BEV actually penetration is already up at 28%, but a huge piece of that is Tesla. And the rest of it is, is smaller numbers, as you know. Yes. But we see that when people actually do drive that full electric vehicle, they love that. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're investing in a flexible architecture uh, platform Platform, and also the, what we call the Lincoln Intelligence System that's going to give us that awesome opportunity to have even better digital experiences with more OTAs and more things to do in the vehicle. Some of the similar things that you saw today that we started to see in the second row of the Navigator, imagine that kind of on steroids in the future, wow. right? <laughs> we think that <laughs> over time really great, yeah. Yeah, that people are really going to be interested in that. But to your point about what if it all happened overnight today, um, I think for early adopters it's fantastic. They love that. They're going to be really into it. But we don't have the charging infrastructure yeah. all nailed down yet, right? So we're really happy with the government and the investments they're making. Uh, we're continuing to find, I mean, Ford team already has like the largest network that they've combined together. But we got more work to do on that, especially for on the Lincoln side, where our clients want an effortless experience with charging, right? So we got to get that perfected. And that's going to happen over time. So we do see this as a transition, and that's why we like the way we have our plan laid and, out. And, and you're right, because it is a trifecta. There's the, the technological capabilities of the cars there's the willingness of the will and there's the capability and the preparedness of the infrastructure on all three of those have to come together before this is going to work well you mentioned you know range and why, why you like the PE PHV you don't have to worry about that mm -hmm. JD Power just did a study on BEVs people that love mm -hmm. BEVs and the most and what is the uh, purchase reasons and what are they most interested in and it's range and they define range not just like oh I can go 250 miles or 300 miles or but it's also how quick can I charge and where can I charge the whole experience the whole thing to them is the word range yes we've got to affect all that yeah agreed. and I think Lincoln is position for that because obviously Ford has made huge advantages, uh, advances in, in this technology has already proven the, the Mustang, Max, the Lightning is coming in, I mean, the whole company is doing great, so it, I'm sure. That's an advantage for us, right? Exactly. And we're going to lean into that. We've got those tools in the toolbox yeah. to, to, 
to look at our segments in the premium, look at the use cases, look at where we think the adoption is going to be the greatest and at what time, and, and determine where we want to play to win. And, and of course, I feel like the ability to power a house with a vehicle, yeah. which <laughs> was kind of always floating out there, but then we had the first the hybrid version of the F-150, now we know the Lightning version's coming, and how it went into actual practice in a use case with the Texas Texas storms hit last year, and it was just like, okay, I think a lot of people just woke up to something that Ford had already figured out. Bi-directional power. Yeah, I remember joking about that, like when a hurricane hits Miami, I want that, but I don't want a hurricane (laughs) hit Miami, (laughs) so send me camping or something. (laughs) Technology is there, and and going back to your point on how long it's going to take, in the case of Lincoln, you were saying last night at dinner that you also have to listen to what your customers want, right? That's the whole part of the equation that is not so clear, and you have to provide them with what they want, they want at the moment. Right. Yeah. So true luxury customers, maybe that aren't that early adopter, um, they want convenience. They want performance. They want convenience. It's got to be effortless. Yeah, ease of life. Yeah. And it's got to be really efficient for them. Yeah. So we can't send them all over looking for, you know, and, you know, the Navigator, obviously, that we're talking about here today, you know, that's kind of our road warrior vehicle. I know. Uh, it tows a, a lot of horse trailers. Mm-hmm. It goes to a lot of sporting events. It goes to Hilton Head Island, uh, you know, on a long week for it a very long It can deal with weather. Yes, all of those things. So it's going to be a little bit of time till we get all that. I'll get the all that gets perfected for that size of a vehicle, including the infrastructure. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Navigator without saying, <laughs> right. but let's talk about, for example, the amazing second row with massage, TVs. I was streaming when I went as a passenger actually today, and that was like fantastic. Yes. I mean, it cannot be more comfortable than even a plane, I would say. No, and, and, the, and the space that's back there behind yeah. those, that front it's row, huge. you know, I'm, I'm I, I looked in the second row, I'd sat in the second row, experienced it, and then when I got out of the car at the end of the day today, oh, I should I should look at least in the third row. I mean, I, I just stick my head up there and it's like, way it's, back there. It's like, look at this, you know, I could like sleep back here and yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's a really, it's a really roomy uh, vehicle. Another big question I was going to mention, and you talked about the market and, uh, you know, the U.S. market, but China's huge for you. And I'm not sure how much you're allowed to say, but but I know that China had really good sales this past year. So tell yeah. us a little bit about China and what's going on with sure. Lincoln in China. Yeah, so um, absolutely. Last year, 2021, was a great year for Lincoln. It was our best global sales in 21 years, wow. even in the chip crisis. And China actually was a, a, a big factor in that. Sales were over 91,000. Was that, that was your a, number one market? It was the number one market. So 91,000 sales in China. It was on the back of significant year-over-year growth and it allowed it to be one of the fastest growing premium brands in China. So that's a big deal and that's really good for the brand. The U.S. market was about just under 87,000, significantly impacted. Really yes, yeah. and significantly impacted by the chips. Right, oh, it should have yeah. been bigger. It we could have, bigger. we could have definitely sold more. I mean, talk to our dealer, our dealer retailer partners. We could have sold more if we had them. We just didn't have them, um, and we had better luck with the chip situation in China. In China, market is doing really great. A lot of momentum. We got the new Lincoln Zephyr launching in spring. Really excited about that product on the market and taking them to the next level over there as well. Is the Zephyr a sedan? Over there? It is. Okay. And coming back to the U.S. with a new product, the new Navigator, but also a new approach of how to communicate with the customers. Yeah, the retail experience. Oh, yes. That's like another aspect of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've been working with our retailer partners on these vitrine facilities for several years now. Um, We looked at, as it's uh, the 
business continues to evolve and we saw the opportunity to make sure that we have our retailers in the retail space, if you will. Just like we have our Lincoln Experience Center that's owned by the company at Fashion Island, we have a model where the dealers can create their own retail experience. So we're out here at Sanderson Lincoln at their boutique here that's in Scottsdale Quarter, right in the middle of a luxury retail area, area. getting lots of traffic, lots of attention, and some nice sales. Uh, So we're very pleased with that approach there. So people can go in there and... uh, They can go in there. Learn about and do the whole process if they get convinced at the moment? Absolutely. So it's it's got a big coffee bar you guys saw today. It's huge. Come in there, have a cup of coffee, relax. There's products if you want to learn about the products. There's a configurator in the back that has huge screens on the wall. You can build your own vehicle and watch it be built um, from a bringing it together and then just order it and they'll they'll take the ha- the vehicle to your uh, house work wherever for test drives remote sales remote delivery remote service it's all on your terms and you told us that none of the people there are employed by any official um uh, other other dealers, right? Well, like, they, the the people that are work there did not come from the existing dealership. They hired retail and hospitality. Retail, okay. Yeah. Touch on that because still, I mean, I think we all agree, and like we, if we ask everybody who is here, still the dealership traditional dealership experience is a lot not of them, a, a lot more, of store. It's not a favorite be. thing for so, consumers. So that's one thing that Lincoln has worked on for a long time with our dealer retailers to have a great customer experience, and we've seen really good results. Yeah. But to your right, to your point, we want to continue to evolve that and make it more of a luxury uh, experience what just like you would have in a luxury store where there is a you know fashion you know luxury goods whatever it might be it can be the same for buying a vehicle and that's what they're emulating in the store you were at today and yeah. I, hopefully you saw that and felt oh, that and in the I environment the feedback there. you're getting is pretty positive from consumers who've already experienced it. Uh, oh you know I was over there today they have a perfect what we call CVP store which is our customer uh, viewpoint score so it's their customer satisfaction it's perfect tens every oh, customer nice. has all because of the way they've done that and I've talked to them and you know as they it's only been open since last summer and as they kind of gone into this um, it was hard not to go back to the ways of the traditional dealership but they have kind of got a team of people that work together and they don't allow themselves to go back and they're creating a new experience and the results speak for themselves so going back to one of the idea of uh, that Carl was saying like everything was in this case solved tomorrow all the cheap problems yeah. COVID is gone and all that it's a fantasy but it's a nice it's a fantasy. <laughs> yeah so experiences that we've learned through this period in, in particular in the process where the consumers have learned that now they have to order the cars the yes. cars if they wanted the in the, the, the exact color, the exact combination, everything. When there's so, no inventory, you have to order. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that that's actually a good thing, no? Like, go, moving forward. It's, it's time, especially for, America with this experience. To, it's time yeah. for America to evolve, right? Joy, I mean, Absolutely. every other market is much bigger than ordering their cars. And right now, you go to a dealer, they're going to be like, it's a two to three month wait to get any car. It's like, well, order your car. And get what you want. And you'll get the same get exact car. Exactly exactly a, a good thing came out of this. <laughs> this is one of these things that crisis, you know, breeds something good. It's something yeah. ha- make, make the best of a crisis. And that's what we're doing here. And our retailers have embraced it, so we're very pleased with that. Uh, We've got a 10,000 unit order rank already. We had 3,100, just total. total. And we had 3,100 in January alone. Um, So, I mean, it's it's really coming along nicely. And to your point, Europe does it, China does it. It's the model. And it's going to, it allows some very important things. Number one, the cut. Most importantly, the client gets what they want. Exactly. Secondly, yeah. there's efficiency, and that efficiency can be passed on to the clients, right? Exactly. So you have the right inventory on the lot. We can get rid of some complexity. We can simplify the lineup. We can be more efficient and make sure they get what they want. So.
It's not a fantasy, girl. No, it's a... I, I, <laughs> it'll, be, I, it'll be a reality When, when I first found out you could order a car, and this was when I was in my single digits age, and yeah. my dad told me that you could order a car, and, I, and it cost potentially less than just buying one on the lot. I was like, why doesn't everyone exactly. do that? And my dad was like, I don't know, you know. So oh, wow. I, I believed in this. And we'll do a so podcast thank you very on much for your hospitality. Thank really you appreciate your time, here. Joy. Thank, thank you. you. Just one more comment on Navigator. No more calling shotgun. I know. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. In the it's row. like it's like you <laughs> get shotgun. No, yeah. you get it. No. <laughs> thank you, no, thank you thank very you much. And Carl, nice, nice to see you in the room. Yeah, we yeah. miss Lauren on this uh, event, but we'll see her. Yeah, soon. at least you know we're we're two out of three here. We're getting exactly. better. We're getting better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at totalcarscore.com.